Well, good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? How beautiful is this weather? It's lovely, huh? And uh, so good to see so many faces out, uh, out here this morning. I know some uh, people are on leave, like Brent in Sao Paulo. And no, I'm just joking, Brent is obviously working very hard there. And, uh, and uh, he sends his regards. And uh, I've been to Sao Paulo. And, and that's like those noises are normal. That's just what you live with. It's chaotic in Sao Paulo, but it is so encouraging to see the work that they uh, are doing there. And he does miss Outlook Church, and he can't wait to be back. But uh, it's amazing that we as a church can go and send out people to go and do God's work. God has called us to be Outlook Church, not Inlook Church or not stay-at-home church, but rather that church that goes out and spreads the news of Jesus. Amen? Awesome. So I'm going to dive right in, and I'm going to say for the... For the past five weeks, we have been on a journey uncovering and unpacking which superpower we have been gifted by our Creator. And this week, week number six, is our final leg of our gifted campaign. Time really does fly when we're having fun, right? So well done to each and every one of you who have joined us, who has journeyed with us in discovering and unpacking these gifts, these superpowers, as we've commonly referred to them as, to To those of you who were planted out of your comfortable connect group, maybe you were thrown out of your connect group to start a new connect group, well done. And I'm trusting that this is the start of a great leadership journey for you and your group. So as you you look around this room this morning, you will notice that everybody looks a little bit different. Some vastly different. No, don't point, Chris. Some might have hair, some don't. Some are built for comfort, some for speed. Everyone looks a little bit different. And just as we look different, so we have been given different giftings. And we know this from our key text for the campaign, from Romans 12, 6 to 8. It says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, guess what? Speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, then serve them well, as Anele said. If you are a teacher, then teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously, and if God has given you the leadership, given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. Another thing that we have discovered and have been constantly reminded about along this journey is that although these gifts have been given to you and to me, these gifts are not exclusive use gifts. We are not there to reap the benefits of these gifts, but rather they are there to benefit others. They are there to edify, to amplify, and to build up. In other words, they are not me gifts, but rather they are we gifts, all there and designed to build. And you're asking, well, what is it there to build? Well, that's a great question. There to build up the body of Christ. Remember, Christ being the head, we are the body with many different parts. Thank goodness for that. Imagine a body all made up of hands. That'll be weird, man. Who looks like a hand here this morning? Mm, Tians, you look like a hand. Imagine if we all look like Tians. Tall, dark, and like Tiansy. God has made us 
different. And I love the fact for us to be functioning well in the, in the way that God intends is that we all actually have a role to play. There are no more crucial roles. 1 Corinthians 12, 15 to 26. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. Can we say just where he wants me? Just where he wants me. If you scroll down a little bit, verse 22, it says, In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And honestly, this is, if we haven't already done so along this journey, this is something that we have to settle right now this morning, is that God has created you for a special purpose. And the beauty is, is that He has given you gifts to be able to complete His tasks. He has given you the tools. And you know what? It's for free. It's for free. He's given it to you. That is what a gift is. For mahala. What's Afrikaans? Gratis. Is that right? My wife is rubbing off on me. If you, were, if you are a foot, but you are continuously trying to be a hand, stop it. Stop it. Because you're not only doing yourself an injustice, but you're doing the body an injustice as well. This, uh, this week, Monday, I was, uh, did something weird to my arm. I, I managed to cut my eyeball. And from Monday night to, to about Thursday evening, Friday, I like, could barely see out of this eye. And, and because my eye was injured, the rest of my body was not benefiting from this. I managed to kick my toe at least three times more that particular week. Each body part is crucial, just as you are crucial to the building up of this church. Some giftings are, are more visible. I'm trying to think of an example, but uh, let's, for instance, say the welcome team versus the counting team. The welcome team is far more visible. I mean, you get to see them first after the parking team, of course. You don't get to see the counting team. But they are crucial, and apparently they really count. <laughs> Ephesians 4, 15 to 16 says, Instead, we speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body of the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. God has given us gifts. He has given us the tools to do his work. So today, we're going to be looking at the gift of leadership. And it's the last one, as I mentioned, for the campaign. And I find this quite weird because leadership is left for last. Isn't it weird? It's not right at the top. It's because it's not the most important gift. It's a part of the gifts. And therefore, leadership, the gift of leadership, doesn't take precedence over any of the other gifts. So what is leadership then? Like a good scholar, I want to kick us off with a definition this morning. 
And leadership is simply this, motivating or encouraging others to work together to achieve a common goal or purpose. So as a start, I want us to break that down. Number one is motivating. And this is super important because a leadership gift is always motivating. And it does so by casting vision. It does so through encouraging people and through helping people to see their potential. It motivates through love and it motivates through compassion. In other words, let's use Hitler this morning. Hitler was recognized by quite a few people to be quite a good leader. But he didn't have a godly leadership gift because his primary, uh, a primary way to motivate people was through fear. A godly leadership gift does not motivate through fear. Leadership gift motivates others to see what is possible. Motivates to move people from here to there. Motivates others to see the rewards in this life, but more importantly, it motivates others to see the rewards to come should they put their best effort in. In other words, work diligently to become the people who God has created them to be. Are you someone who motivates people to reach their full potential? Well, let's take it a step back. Are you someone who sees potential in others easily? Your superpower, your gifting might just be leadership. Second part of that definition is others. Others. A leadership gift is all about helping others to reach their full potential. That is why godly leadership is actually not a position of power to lord over people, but rather godly leadership is a position of privilege to help unlock potential in people. And I know that statement is in stark contrast of what we see in the secular world, in the business world, in the commercial world at the moment. A true leadership gift focuses on others. And the last little part of that statement is together, together. When we use this gift of leadership well, it helps people move. This is romantic. When we use this gift of leadership well, it helps people move from individualism to togetherness, to community. In other words, in achieving these common goals or purposes, we are always better together as a body of Christ. If you are a parent, can I say that you could be or should be using this gift of leadership? So often we don't see that as leadership because we're not, we're not leading large crowds of people, but God has given you a massive leadership responsibility in leading your children. Many of you are business leaders, either your own or owned by someone else, but you have an opportunity to utilize this gift of leadership. We can move people from our to we, from individualism to community. That is what a leadership gift does. For many, many people, and maybe for even you this morning, when they hear the word leadership, we immediately conjure up images of having to lead large crowds of people, often with a mic in hand and getting them to do something, kind of like what I'm doing here this morning. But what happens if we actually look through a different lens to see that leadership is actually all about influence? Now, 
Can you still hear me at the back there? I can't see you, but I trust that you're still here. If it's not going well, now's your time to leave. My, my wife and I were, were privileged to welcome our second child into the world about two weeks ago. Thank you. Is that Cheryl again? And uh, I say we, but it was mainly her. And while we were in the hospital, we were, we were, she was given this book. But one word stood out on this book, and you won't be able to see from there, but it, it says Momfluencer. Momfluencer. And I love that because as I was preparing that, this, this preach, I came across this book. And if you've been to any of our TLSs, you would know that one of our favorite synonyms for the word for leadership is that of influence. And I can't hear myself, so I hope, hope you can hear me. I know Nikki Preen, and uh, I'm sure many of you know Nikki Preen as well. She leads, uh, her and Quinton have a, a small army of kiddies at their house, and uh, not, so, not so kiddy anymore actually. But Nikki never ever saw herself as, as a leader, because she didn't see herself as an out front leader. Um, we were having our elders dinner and we were discussing our gifted assessment results and her leadership fell right at the bottom. But I want to say that Nikki Preen is a leader because she leads her kids. And she's, honestly, she is a great momfluencer. She's done a great job influencing them over the past few years. As we mentioned so often before, Sometimes your leadership gift is simply paired with another gift. Encouragement and leadership, or gifting, or, or, or giving and leadership, or prophetic and leadership. See, a, a biblical leadership gift is not about power. It's not about control. It's not about the amount of people. It's not about manipulation. It's not about hierarchy. It's not about pushing others down. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Which brings me on to someone I want to discuss this morning for a little bit. And his name is Jesus. I'm sure you are familiar with him. Because he was and still remains the ultimate example of what true leadership looks like. I want to go off script here for a moment. And I want to say, if you consider yourself a leader or believe that you have a leadership gift then you have an opportunity to learn from the greatest ever leader. And I'm going to get to some points about Jesus' leadership. And I hope you listen to them. But honestly, you as an individual, as a leader, have an opportunity to tap into the wealth of knowledge of leadership from Jesus. And in Revelation 3 verse 20, it says, Here I stand and knock. Here I stand and knock, and if anyone opens up, I will come in and I will recline with them. I will dine with them. I will sit at your table. And it's when you allow Jesus to come in and sit at your table, that is when you get to glean off. That is when you get to learn what leadership is all about. So maybe you haven't got off your seat and allowed Jesus to come in. Can I encourage you this morning? If you want to take your leadership journey to the next level, why don't you get up off your seat and open that door to Jesus this morning? 
because he is the one who will transform your leadership. Four things that I want to quickly discuss that we can learn from the leadership of Jesus. Number one, Jesus was courageous in his leadership. Jesus was never afraid to stand up for the truth. And he did so, and he showed us so often by taking on the religious leaders of the day. And as those who have called to be different, we so have the opportunity to do so too. And when we're leading God's people, this is the attitude that we should have. I love that uh, God gave Joshua the same command when he was about to take up his leadership challenge. Joshua 1.69 says, Be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I saw to their ancestors. And we can't hear. I'm sure you guys online can probably still hear. start singing again but uh, apparently if I talk really slowly we can hear verse number 9 said be strong and courageous do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go and I love that God commanded courageousness from Joshua not because Joshua had courageousness But God commanded courageousness because God was giving Joshua courage. He didn't call Joshua because he was strong and courageous. Rather, Joshua was courageous because the Lord had equipped him to be courageous. As God called you to leadership, then rest assured that God will equip you for leadership. The second point is that Jesus was humble and yet strong. Humble and yet strong. Philippians 2, 6-11 said, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. Isn't that amazing? It says, though he was God, speaking about Jesus, he took the position of a slave and was born human form. 
How often do we as humans play the power card, the authority over card? As the head of an organization, as the head of a group, as the head of whatever you lead, what is your position and how do you exercise that position? Are we having fun today? I think for me this point is such a valuable lesson and I'm hoping so for others as well. See, so often we mistake this thing called humility as a sign of weakness. This is not working, is it? Lucas, can you hear me? Can you? So often, when we are leading something, and you're at the top of your organization, you need to ensure that people know that you are on top, to know that you are in charge. But Jesus actually shows us the truth. And he says, actually, if you want to be elevated to the top, then take your rightful place at the bottom. Jesus found incredible strength in humility. Imagine if we as leaders could tap into the strength by simply humbling ourselves before him. The third point was that he served his followers. How do you know if someone has a potentially great leadership gift? They have an even better following gift. Let's think about Paul for a moment. One of the greatest ever leaders that we see in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 11, he says, follow my example. Follow my example as I lead you. As I follow the example of Christ. Let's take Jesus. The greatest ever leader. In John 5, 19, he says, so Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does also. What do you get when you lead by following well? A servant heart. A servant heart. Jesus, though he was God, chose to wash his disciples' feet. Though carrying the most authority and power and rightful of all praise and honor, chose to humble himself and be born as man. If we as as followers of Christ are leading, but we do not have a servant heart, then can we actually call it leading? It's not a heavy, I'm just asking the question because I need to answer that question for myself. If we, as followers of Christ, are leading, but we do not have a servant heart, can we call it leading? And the fourth point was that he sacrificed. Mark 14 Verse 36 says, Abba Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Take it away from me. But your will be done, not mine. Although everything had been placed below him, he had authority over everything, he was prepared to give it all away. He was prepared to sacrifice. Imagine if we were prepared to sacrifice as leaders, to give up our time for the betterment of others. 
Imagine if we raised up and released others who could do exponentially more for the kingdom of God than we can do. Jesus was prepared to give it all up so that others could reach their full potential. And you know what the beautiful thing is? Is that you and I are included in that others. Leadership Outlook Church is critically, critically important. Chad once said, and it was profound for him at the time, but the fact that I'm repeating it means that it's probably profound for a whole bunch of people as well. And he simply said this, he said, leaders lead. Leaders lead. And I love that it says this in the Bible, it says, if your gift is leadership, then guess what? Do it. The NLT says, take the responsibility seriously. The NRV says, do it with diligence. In other words, put everything into it. Leaders lead. The past, uh, past two years, and I'm sure you agree with me, have been, let's just call it the most interesting of times. And from a leadership point of view, it's been the most taxing of times as well. To try and motivate in, in times when, when motivation levels are next to nothing is no easy feat. But the reality is that leaders lead. Leaders lead. There has actually not been a better time for leaders to be leading than the past two years. In times of difficulty, in times of challenge, if you are sitting on a leadership gift, can I ask that you do not store it away until the coast is clear because you are not only depriving yourself, but you're depriving the body of Christ of maturing, being built up, and being healthy. Leaders lead. I love that the Bible is testimony to so many great leadership stories. Nehemiah basically leads an army of people to rebuild a wall. It was an impossible task, and yet he managed to do it. Gideon, a little wimp in a wine press, hiding away, threshing wheat. God comes to him and says, Gideon, you mighty warrior. Gideon says, not a chance. I'm the weakest of my clan, my clan the weakest. God says, mighty warrior. What happened to Gideon? Led an army of 300 people and they defeated an army of 120,000. Leaders, lead. Moses, let's take Moses. Moses, 40 years old, full of his own wisdom and cleverness, does something that's not really godly leadership. Gets into a bit of bully and runs away for 40 years. God calls him. At the ripe old age of 80 years old, to, to go and lead the Israelites out of Egypt. 80 years old, called to leadership. Guess what? If you are 78, if you are 79, your best leadership years are yet to come. Sitting around the dinner table, we heard a, a John Maxwell quote the other day. Sitting around the dinner table, Melvin Maxwell, that's John's, uh, John's father, said, John, this was at 90 years old. He says, John, I feel like my best leadership years are yet to come. 90 years old, incredible. What the world needs more than ever, Outlook Church, are people who are connected to the Father and who are willing to keep on going. 
men and women who are committed to using their gifts, their God-given talents, to do whatever it takes to lift people up and to see their potential. I'm sure you would agree with me that there are enough cynical, critical, self-righteous people out there to go around. What we need more of is people of faith, people who are not afraid of big challenges because they know that we serve an even bigger God. Leaders who influence others diligently, givers who give generously, encouragers who strengthen others inspirationally, mercy bringers who do so compassionately, servers who serve selflessly, teachers who share knowledge humbly, perceivers who live fearlessly. Those are the prophetic folk, if you don't know what perceivers means. You guys are weird, but we love you. And we need you. Let us, Outlook Church, let us run with the gifts that God has given us. So that we as a body can ensure that we continue to mature, continue to be built up, continue to reach the potential that God has called us into. Can we do that? Amen. If your gift is leadership, do it diligently. Take up the responsibility and step into what God has called you to do. Won't you stand with me, please? Now that the, the rain is gone, you can take a stretch and then I'll be 20 minutes. We can start again. <laughs> Just jokes. Never do that to you guys. I love that no matter who we are, what we do, however God has made us, that we are all so crucial to building up this kingdom of God here on earth. He's given us a responsibility. And I really pray that we step into that responsibility, that we take a hold of that gift that he's given us and that we use it to its full potential. And when we do Outlook Church, I can promise you, and that's not just to build up Outlook Church, it's to build the church. When we do, we're going to see the fruits of it. God is coming back for his bride. And we want to be ready for him because we're utilizing our gifts the way that he's asked us to. So if it is leading, do it diligently. And I pray for every leader out there, even if you have been leading for the past 30 years, I pray that you learn from Jesus and that you're able to learn the way that he wants you to lead and you will be ever more fruitful and effective. So Father, what an honor once again just to be able to to discuss your word, Lord. Thank you that it's true. Thank you, Father, that you are the great teacher. Holy Spirit, I pray even now that you will come and fill us afresh. That you would teach us in your ways. Thank you for this thing called leadership. Thank you that you teach us. It's, it's not about power or, or control or manipulation or whatever it is. But Lord, it's about moving people from here to there. You want to see your people reach their full potential, Lord. And as, as leaders, I pray that we help others to reach their full potential. 
I pray that as leaders we would release, raise and release leaders who will do exponentially great things for your kingdom. We thank you, we thank you Father, for people like Andrew that led his brother Peter to you, Father. So often we think the crowd, Lord, but Andrew led one person who made such a difference. Thank you for your word, Lord. I pray that it settles in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. Please don't rush off. Don't uh, enjoy a cup of coffee with us. It is really good on a day like this. And uh, my release wants to say something for you.